I wasn't uh, fully prepared for what I felt as you were sharing, Asaf and Lynn, and a saying came to my mind from the early church fathers who were experiencing uh, persecution, that the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the church. That somehow, even in the sacrifice of the, of the children of God, that somehow He plants uh, seed. And by contrast, uh, good is seen over evil. And I must admit that as I hear Asaph and Lynn share, uh, I am inspired by their courage. Aren't you? Can you say amen to that? That they would uh, enter a dangerous place uh, for the name of Jesus. I'm inspired and I'm convicted. It may be hard for us uh, to think about how it would be to uh, be a missionary in uh, Pakistan. Can you see yourself there? It would be a little difficult, but uh, the good news is you're not called as a missionary to Pakistan. But we are called to be missionaries here. Isn't that true? And that somehow in seeing their courage... I'm inspired to be a little more courageous because God's called me to a mission. He's called you to a mission and to a mission field. And, and you have the, a sphere of influence that you're called on with courage to risk something, to be willing to move beyond your comfort and maybe even be misunderstood uh, to put your heart out there. And that is the message uh, for today. It's a message on caring on purpose for a purpose. Caring on purpose for a purpose. That God's called us on a mission. And we have a a mission field, beloved. We have a a sphere of influence. We have a a, a place where we can make a difference in the lives of, of some people. Now, we can't make a difference in the lives of everybody, but can we make a difference in the lives of someone? Can you answer that? Can you say amen to that? Someone made a difference in your life, or you wouldn't be here today. Someone risked uh, caring on purpose for a purpose. They, they intentionally loved you. And somehow through the love that they showed you, you felt the love of God. And it began to, to minister to your heart in such a way that you, you just couldn't deny it. It, it took hold of you. And, and, it, and it began to grow. And you, you didn't understand what it was, but it kept drawing you. Maybe even against your own will, you, you, you felt this drawing. And you know, when you've experienced that kind of, of love, it won't let you go. It kind of keeps coming back to you. Having tasted of it, you're ruined for the ordinary, someone said. And I think it's true when we've experienced the love of God. We can't keep it to ourselves. We can't hide something that really could liberate and even save someone else. And so we've got to, be, beloved, be willing to risk caring on purpose, uh, for a purpose, because we've been given a mission 
to make a difference. But here's the question. How do we do it? How do we, how do we do it? How do we actually make a difference in the lives of other people? One thing for sure, we can't influence others and make a difference in someone's lives if we are not connected to them. We have to first be connected in some meaningful way, some authentic relationship. And by the way, this Connect seminar that that the Sensels will be sharing. They share with missionaries around the world on how do you enter a foreign culture and connect and begin to build authentic relationships because if you don't have a relationship, you're not going to have any influence. It's only as we, we, we put ourselves out there and risk and, and share something of, of our hearts because we felt His heart. You see, it, a heart change only comes through a heart change. Somebody's got to be willing to risk caring on purpose for a purpose. You may say, well, preacher, I, I, I don't know about uh, this uh, connect thing. Uh, it doesn't sound all that spiritual. I mean, it doesn't sound all that spiritual. How, how can it change lives? Well, what you'll hear tonight in this seminar is It's the only way to change someone's life is to risk being in relationship with them. And and, and almost like the the fish and the loaves, you give what's in your heart and somehow God takes it and multiplies it to to them in such a way that they're never the the same. And see, carrying on purpose with a purpose is what Jesus did when He came to the cross. Carrying on purpose with a purpose. He cared with a greater purpose, with the greatest purpose. He intentionally did it. He, he wasn't just laissez-faire. He, he intentionally came to, to go to the cross. And that love, beloved, has, has found your heart and, and it has done something in your heart that you can't walk away from. And Lord, we pray even today that as we talk about this very subject of learning to risk and connect, that we might be used by You. We can't do change everyone, but Lord, could You use us to love someone? Could You help us to be intentional as You were in loving us and giving Yourself for us? In Jesus' name, Amen. Now, recently I was on a, a vacation with family and some of my siblings, brother and sister, were there. And we started trying to remember... Uh, back when we were real little kids. I mean, it's been a long time. And we were thinking way back when we were little kids. And we said, well, what was your earliest memory? Think about it. What was your earliest memory? And we were straining to think, you know, way back. What was my earliest memory? And all of a sudden it came to my mind, one of my earliest memories, I'm maybe three three years old, four four years old at at most. Uh, And... It was in the summertime, just like this, and this incredibly powerful thunderstorm came up from from nowhere. You know how they do it. Blew up. And you remember back when I was a kid, they didn't have air conditioning, and the windows were all open. And all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden, there was this great crap crap of, of thunder, and I was just frozen in my heart. Uh, began racing, and I, 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 I didn't I could hardly breathe. And then another great clap of thunder, and I bolted, blew into the living room, terrified, 
and looking, and my mother saw my face, and she just wrapped me up in her arms. And I know I was probably was just shaking. Anybody experienced that before? Fear? Okay, thank you for being honest. I thought I was the only one who was played a thunder. Anyway, listen now. Slowly, my mother did something that only later I realized the significance of. She wrapped me in her arms, and we were sitting on the couch. And then right in the middle of the storm, it was still going on, she was holding me tight. She walked with me out onto the screen porch where there was a rocking chair. And she began rocking me in the midst of the storm. There was still lightning. But she rocked the fears out of me in the midst of the storm. And I love rocking chairs and thunder to this day. I do. I love storms. I love rocking chairs to this day. The power of face-to-face relationship. What I realize is my mom contained my fear by taking me in and, and ministered assurance and hope and even direction ultimately. And it released it in me. She cared on purpose. For a purpose. And having experienced, listen, having experienced such care and love, I now can give it. The power caring with a purpose. The power of face-to-face relationship. You see, every human being needs face-to-face relationship with God and with people. We, it's not just a want. It's an absolute need. Without it, we wither. God knows that need for Intimacy, face-to-face relationship. In Psalm 27, if you'd put that up and you might want to turn to it, Psalm 27, the psalmist cries out. He's filled with fear. He's overwhelmed. He's terrified. And he says, Hear, O God, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. And be gracious to me and answer me. When thou didst say, Seek my face, my heart said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Don't hide Your face from me. Don't turn Thy servant away in anger. For Thou hast been my help. Don't abandon me or forsake me. For God of my salvation, for my father and mother have forsaken me, and the Lord, but but the Lord will take me up. Beloved, we need face-to-face relationship. In verse 7, the psalmist cries out. He's filled with fear. 
Hear, Lord, when I cry with my voice. And he asked God to do two things. First, be gracious to me. Remind me again of your graciousness. I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Remind me again that you are gracious. Contain and release me from these fears that have built up. And second, he says, answer me. Answer me. Speak, speak in other words, uh, direction to me. Give me a clear path. And God in the psalm, listen, in the, He's in the temple. God speaks to Him. He hears the earnest desires of His heart and the sincerity of, of His prayer. And He answers Him with three words. You know, when God speaks, you don't need a lot of words. When God speaks, He imparts something. And God basically says, seek the intimacy of My presence. That's what you need. Seek My face. And the psalmist hears the Word of the Lord. It is a Word from God. And he experiences it. And he says in verse 8, when thou didst say it to me, Seek my face. My heart responded and said to thee, Thy face, O Lord, I shall seek. Don't hide your face from me. Don't turn thy servant away in anger. For why not? Because you've been my help. I had known in the past you've been my help, O God of my salvation. And second, don't turn your face because others have abandoned me. Verse 10, my father and mother have forsaken me. He came from a broken family. He went through the, the trials. He's hurting. And he says, my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord, I know you, Lord, will, will, will lift me up. My question to you as we move toward communion is how? How does the Lord lift you up? When you go through the, the pit, the difficulty, the trial, the fears, when you're overwhelmed, how does the Lord lift you up? You've been cast down, but the Lord will lift me up. You know, sometimes only the Lord knows. Sometimes only the Lord can reach us and find us. Sometimes only the Lord Himself can help us in our time of need. Nobody else can come. Nobody else can understand. And you know, in those times when the Lord's all we have, we realize He's all we need. Can you say amen to that? That sometimes that crisis actually turns out to be an opportunity that we find that God actually could meet us, that God could be the supply and the help that we needed, and we need that lesson that God is enough. But how else does the Lord take us up? Perhaps, beloved, in your life and in my life, the Lord has taken me up by using other people to help contain my pain and to remind me again to move back into the way of life. I wonder if you can think in your life, people who have been used, albeit that they aren't perfect people, but they have been used in your life by God 
to contain your pain. To speak a word to you. This is the way. They cared on purpose, you see, with a purpose. And God took that earnest of their heart and, and met you and ministered to you and lifted the, the, the yoke and the burden and the fear off of you. In old days, men and women used to sit on the porch and rock and the children and the neighbors and the, the, the younger children and adults would listen to the older men and women tell stories of the epic journeys and the great battles of, of life and the tragedies and the triumphs and, and the lessons drawn from them. What had God taught us in, in, in our failure? Or, or in, what did God teach us in, in having lack of money or from sorrow and pain or seasons of waiting or illness or disappointment? You see, you, you heard this wisdom passed on down through the generations because the generations were together. They gathered together. They shared the, the strength of the wisdom of the older and the passion of the younger. They, they, they had a cohesion. You know, the good old days weren't always good old days, but, but with the society being less mobile, it was more cohesive. And somehow in the, in the listening and in the telling of our stories, we made sense of them. Somehow in a mystery in telling our stories together, we became ourselves individually. Where do we do that today? Who does that for us? How many of us come from broken families? How we need Someone and someones to take us up. To be willing to, to be used. And no, we can't help everyone, but can we help someone? Can we give what was given to us to someone? You know, it, it's a mystery, but I love the saying, compassion for others liberates us from obsession with self. Can you say amen to that? When we, we, we think we've got so many problems and whatever. But you know, the, the truth is, if you focus on them, they get bigger. But if you start helping others, it's amazing. We get liberated. We lose our lives and find them. Think for a minute about someone who contained your pain and gave you direction. And God used them. Suzanne and I have a friend who loved to dance. But at an early age, nine or ten, contracted severe juvenile arthritis and had to put up her shoes. Carol Bass had heroic folks come alongside her and help her to walk again. And I asked Carol if she would share something about those folks who were willing to come alongside her 
and help her become the inspirational human being that she is today. And she, not, she inspires others. And, and so I ask her just as an act of, of, of gratitude to, to some of those folks who contained your pain, Carol, and came alongside you. I wonder if you could share what they did, um, who they were. Well, it's, it's been a wonderful week in that I've gotten to remember and to think of um, the opportunity to be reminded of the sweet people who have um, come up under me and be reminded of, of how God worked and who He used and who was willing to be used um, by Him. Um, I think probably to begin with, with my mama. You know how mamas are. I was so fortunate to have a mother that um, you know, that really loved and encouraged and spoiled me. Um, <laughs> but we'll just say loved. Uh, you know, that really loved me and called me forth to life. Um, in, in that way, what I mean is like in so many times um, after I got sick, especially around middle school and early high school, I was just in the pit of despair. I was in so much pain. There had been so much damage that was taking place in my body. And I just remember, you know, waking up in the morning and being in so much pain. And I would just beg my mom you know, can I stay home? And she'd go, no. Hmm. You have to try. Um, you know, and what a great legacy mm-hmm. that she gave me for calling me for to try. You know, I see that as this wonderful heritage that I, I can possibly encourage and to hold out to other people. There's so many other people along the way. I just saw Monica. Monica would bring me breakfast in college so that we would eat breakfast together because it was hard sometimes to get to the cafeteria. I mean, I could give you story and story and story, you know, of people who have stepped out of their way, you know, to make life really joyful and fun and full for me. Um, I think about Jim and Suzanne's children. and They usually call me the bravery, which I'm not very brave. Not very brave, you know, um, but just the, the part of that pushing to be, in, to be open to life, that part to be uh, willing to experience life. And um, I know one thing that uh, Suzanne once shared with me a long time ago is that because you know when you're in pain you want to be in seclusion. Um, You like being alone even though you don't like being alone. Um, But you think that that's best. And I know that Suzanne really encouraged me as a friend to, to be in community. That I am called to be in community. I'm not called to be in my bed alone. You know, I'm not called to be sitting in my house all day um, by myself. And I, I think when you've been so richly given, 
you want other people to feel that. You want them to know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know what what the joy is that you get from, um, you know, delivering a meal, or the joy that you get from buying a child a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. or getting someone a lunch. Um, you know, one of the things that Carol, uh, having been ministered to and encouraged, uh, she actually made a career of doing that for others. She is a uh, public school counselor for, with children, and she meets with children continually and encourages and helps them. In fact, uh, she's influenced so many people that when Suzanne and I go to a movie with Carol, we have to put extra time into the timetable or we'll be late to the movie because so many people are coming up greeting her and telling, thanking her. And you know, she's like an ambassador or, a, or something. Carol, any, any final thoughts on why you do what you do? What I think also is just that the when you're given such a beautiful gift, and that gift is um, almost someone opening the door to sunlight, that you want to make sure that that door is open for other people. Amen. You don't want to keep that sunlight to yourself because it's so rich, and it's so full, and it's so of life and it's hard and it it's hard sometimes but you want that person you want other people to feel that light and to feel that sunshine and to feel God's love and to feel cared for Amen. would y'all join me in thanking God for for Carol thank you Carol love you Thank you. If you want to hear more of her testimony, she'll be sharing at Celebrate Recovery this Tuesday night. So she'll be sharing more and having some questions and answers. Let's see. I I wanted, before we have communion, we're almost ready. Um, The Sensels are here. And uh, they are missionaries uh, in England, but they travel to other places in the world teaching missionaries how to connect and have impact for Christ with their neighbors. We can't do it with everyone, but how might we do it with someone? Uh, that's what they teach. Uh, and, and they're having a seminar this, after, no, this evening excuse me, at 6.30 in the fellowship hall. Uh, there is child care uh, if you have children. Uh, and it's the first of three segments that they're going to do on this topic of how, how can our lives actually be used uh, to change uh, other lives. Would you guys uh, stand and and would you greet them? They're here from England, and uh, we want to thank the Lord for them. Thank you so much for having us. It is a joy to be home again. Um, We love connecting with our, our fellow Americans and our sending church and our friends and our family. And a privilege to be able to share tonight and this upcoming weekend. Um, tonight will be the first segment um, on connecting, and we're going to talk about transitions and how from the womb to the tomb, you are constantly transitioning. It's part of human life. And the, 
primary thing in transition is if you can learn to connect well and learn to walk with people in transition, you have an open door to the very thing that Jim and Carol um, shared about, um, just that ability to be able to care. And um, it's for me and for James, we do get the privilege of doing that around the world, but, you know, it's those, those people in your family, it's those neighbors, it's the people you work with, it's just as vital and just as part of, of life as we get to do and travel. Um, so that's, you want to add any to that? You did an amazing job. <laughs> I did a connect. Yeah. So I think just to add on the final thing for me is God built within our DNA a need for connection. He built it in there because he wants us to connect with him and he wants us to connect with others. And if we can learn to tap into that very thing that he's placed within us and do it better, then we are spreading his love and his grace and his mercy at a, at a rapid rate if we can learn to do it well. So we'll learn about asking questions, listening skills, um, just some very simple things that actually we can all learn to do much, much better. Amen. Thank you. And Lord, as we bow our heads now and transition to Holy Communion, Lord, we ask that you would remind us of the fact that you were willing not simply to come alongside, but to come up under. That you were willing to come, not to abandon us, but to find us and and to come up under us and to drink even of the dregs of the cup in order to purchase our salvation. And Lord, even as we've heard about sacrifice today and the willingness to enter into the, to the sufferings even of other people, Lord, how many people need that today? That's what You did for us, Lord, and You send us forth to, to enter in with others. We ask in this communion meal, in a mystery, that You would meet us and that You would remind us of the, of the great calling, the heroic calling You've given to the children of God, that we have a mission, and that Your mission was to go to the cross for us. And our mission now is to take that redemption and to share it with others. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed after giving thanks, He took bread and He broke it and said, This is My body which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of Me. Pouring it out, He said, This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you as often as you drink of this cup. Do it in remembrance of me. And Father, we thank you for these common elements. Would you set them apart for their spiritual nourishment that we might meet the real spiritual presence of Jesus as we partake of this meal. We bless you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Elders, would you come?